Welcome to The Common Rounds. Medical education for medical students by medical students. We're going to go on about, we've talked about action potentials. Yes, Where do we go from now? So I think today's talk is going to be what happens once the action potential reaches the end of the axon, so the axon terminal. Yes. Before we talk about that, though, there's a few terminology that we should Mm-hmm. Clarify. Yep. So one is a synapse. Okay. What is a synapse? A synapse is a junction between two nerve cells. Exactly. Yep. So that's a synapse. Yep. Are there any other terminology that you think yes. might be important? To- so it's a junction between two nerve cells. Mm-hmm. The nerve that is before this junction is called the presynapse and presynaptic cell. And yep. the one after that junction is the postsynaptic cell. Exactly. Yep. And also we'll encounter a term or a chemical called a neurotransmitter. Do you want to maybe mention what that is? Um, a neurotransmitter, I presume, is just a chemical that is released from the presynaptic terminal goes across that synapse and reacts uh, with something on the postsynaptic. Yep. So normally a receptor um, yep. in, in this case. Yep. And there's a number of neurotransmitters. Some can be um, excitatory, some can be inhibitory. And we mean, we'll explain what we mean by that yep. in this episode. Yep. So let's talk about what happens once the action. So now we've, in our talk, we mentioned the action potentials travel down the axon, yep. they get to the axon terminal. And what happens there, Andy? So it reaches the axon terminal and it's the presynaptic cell because it hasn't crossed the synapse yet. Yep. Right? And so what happens, there is a depolarization in the presynaptic axon terminal what that causes is it opens calcium channels this time and Mm. calcium flows in yep and this calcium causes the vesicles of that contain lots of neurotransmitter inside the presynaptic axon terminal to release and um, that these neurotransmitters are released because of this calcium influx exactly so the calcium triggers this vesicles to bind to the axon terminal membranes Mm -hmm. and then the the vesicles release their content into the the synapse and then the neurotransmitters travel to the postsynaptic cell. Yes. So that's really what happens. But there are some important considerations to bear in mind. So before we talk further about this, I've come across in my readings about two types of synapses, electrical versus chemical. Yes. So do you know what an electrical synapse is? That I had to quickly look up. And so what an electrical synapse was... It's essentially the junctions between these, uh, the synapses connected by these things called gap junctions, and yep. they allow the electrical currents and ions to flow directly from one cell to another. Yeah, I think it's a bit of a misnomer to call it an electrical synapse, because it's, you know, we've mentioned these in our MSK talks when we talk about muscle physiology. They're pretty much just gap junctions that c- connect different adjacent cells, so the electrical charge travels through all these cells without necessarily jumping across. Mm. And one prominent one was the cardiac muscle. Exactly. And through the intercalated disc, which is that channel that they travel through. Yes. And also the chemical synapse is essentially what we've just talked about is the way the neurons transfer their information is through electrical charges going to the axon terminal and the chemicals go across the synapse to affect the, the cell that's um, uh, uh, awaiting those neurotransmitters. Yes. Now, what happens in terms of synapse arrangements? Because different arrange, you know, synapses have different arrangements on cells, don't they? Yes. So there are two types. One is a one-to-one synapse and many-to-one synapse. Do you want to just briefly mention what the differences are? Mm-hmm. A one-to-one synapse is uh, such as ones found at a neuromuscular junction is where the action potential of the presynaptic element, let's say like the motor neuron or motor nerve, sends the signal onto the postsynaptic element and the muscle just reacts to it. And just, you know, so when there's a signal, the muscle or the corresponding postsynaptic cell reacts to that yeah. particular. And I think it's one to one ratio. Yes. Whereas with the many to one synapse, as the name suggests, you get lots of synapses that go to the, um, that one cell. Um, yeah, that go to one cell. Mm-hmm. And something interesting happens. So that's about how the, that cell that receives all those inputs then computes that information. Mm-hmm. So let's briefly mention what, what we mean by that. Mm-hmm. So um, how does the cell? 
compute this information and where does yeah. it happen? Do you remember? Yes. So the presynaptic cell would be the axon terminals and the postsynaptic cell would be the the component of that postsynaptic cell would be actually the dendrites of one particular yeah. um, nerve, right? Exactly. Not necessarily always dangerous. You can also get synapses oh, to, to the, the body s- as well, which right. can, has more of a stronger because you're going directly to the body as opposed to through the dendrites. Yes, exactly. And so what happens is that these the many-to-one, in these many-to-one synapses, that one cell that is uh, receiving all these uh, inputs will then compute this information and determine whether if it's going to fire or if it's not going to fire. And these inputs that go into it can either be inhibitory or excitatory. And this is a very important concept. So the many-to-one synapse is where you get um, lots of synapses, so uh, lots of presynaptic cells that um, send the chemicals or the neurotransmitters onto one particular postsynaptic cell. Yes. And then so then it gives you... the, The issue then is that how does the cell make a decision about whether to fire an action potential or whether not to fire an action potential. So do you want to maybe briefly explain what what we mean Mm. by that? So we've talked about, uh, and we've briefly mentioned, there's these things called excitatory inputs and and inhibitory inputs. And what they actually mean is that they all go to pass the synapse and they affect the postsynaptic cell. But some of these inputs, depending on the neurotransmitter, will either prompt it to depolarize or you know, try to raise that membrane potential slightly in a depolarized direction. That's called an excitatory, uh, excitatory neurotransmitter. Yep. Or the inhibitory ones, when they affect the postsynaptic cell, they hyperpolarize or make the cell more negative, which reduces its ability or like reduces its tendency to fire an action potential. Exactly. <clears throat> yep. Really well put. Yep. So an example of excitatory neurotransmitters, which we'll talk about in the future, is yep. things like acetylcholine, which we've mentioned already in our musculoskeletal talk, mm-hmm. nor epi- uh, epinephrine or noradrenaline, if you're from our part of the world, yep. uh, epinephrine <laughs> or adrenaline, if um, yep. again, that's what we call it, dopamine, glutamate, and serotonin are all excitatory. Yep. And inhibitory examples of neurotransmitters include GABA, yep. so that is um, uh, gamma-aminobutyric acid, Yes. And glycine as well, for example. Mm. There's lots of other neurotransmitters as well, but these are the really key that we'll talk about in the future. Yeah. Another concept that I came across, Andy, was about summation of synapses. So okay. we mentioned about integration and processing. Yeah. But what do we, what is the term summation mean in this context? Mm. So I think it's the more uh, it's a combination of how how a combination of inputs tend to work together. And that, that's my that's my understanding of it. Yeah. So you've got either a spatial summation or a temporal summation. So spatial summation kind of is when, you know, you've got multiple inputs from different nerves or, you know, just multiple inputs arriving at that postsynaptic neuron at the same time. So you've got multiple inputs coming in, let's say two, three or four coming in together and all of them add together in a spatial way to produce a huge depolarization. Yep, yep exactly. Yep. And so a temporal one means that you get these bursts of um, information going into the neuron from the presynaptic cells, mm. and over time this causes an, you know, an, a stepwise depolarization stimulus, for example, mm. which then triggers a massive depolarization yep. um, through so that. So it, it could be like, let's say, from one nerve cell that just sends signal after signal in yep. rapid succession. So this isn't multiple coming together, it's just one firing and firing and firing multiple times. Um, in a rapid succession, then that all adds up together and causes a depolarization. Exactly. Is there anything else you want to add 
um, uh, about synaptic transmission, or do you think um, that's well, sufficient for now? Um, we mentioned about like let's we talked about excitatory neurotransmitters and inhibitory neurotransmitters, but what the effect they cause are these things called excitatory postsynaptic potentials (EPSPs) yep. or inhibitory postsynaptic potentials (IPSPs). And I think um, from from what I understood was that they are just these either little increases or like little depolarizations or little hyperpolarizations in the postsynaptic cell. They don't cause they're not an actual action potential, but they're just these little things that either shifted up or shifted down. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And then the net input is what then determines what happens at that yes. affected cell. Yeah, the net input is once you know the once they actually raise the threshold to or you know raise or decrease the threshold, mm-hmm. that's when the cell would actually decide whether if they should actually fire an action potential. That's or not. right. Mm. Um, so that's the end of this very brief talk. Yes. Um, and our next talk, we'll talk about some of the neurotransmitters that were alluded to. Yes. Um, and what they do, how they're possibly made as well. Yeah. And then how we'll they're start, removed. Yeah, exactly yep. how they're removed. And then we'll really get into some of the more specifics of, uh, of the talk um, in our future episodes. Mm. So thanks for tuning in, guys. And um, we hope you join us in our next episode. See you next time. So today was put together by our executive producer Gautam and our core editor Cindy. For notes, elective experiences, and much more study resources, visit our website on thecommonrounds.wordpress.com or visit us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. If you like our episodes, please subscribe and rate us on iTunes. It means a lot to us. You've been listening to The Common Rounds. I'm Hamid. And I'm Andy. And we'll see you next time. See you next time.